Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, April 11, 2022. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island with another mind-blowing show here for you tonight at Hockey Night New York. Thanks so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Mr. Chris King, Islanders Radio Voice of the Islanders Radio Network, will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian how are you? I am mind blown. That's yeah? Chris King, the Islanders voice of the Islanders Radio Network, is going to join us tonight. Yeah, that's right. The Islanders Radio voice of the Islanders Radio Network. Is that not accurate? Not usually how you say it. Well, I want to remind everybody that we're happy to be presented <laughs> by R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It's the best place to catch the Isles when you can't be at the game. Head on down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HDTVs, and in-game sound. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. They're an official partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. Also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And happy to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand new home in UBS Arena and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages. And of course, all of you in the chat, get your questions in for questions brewing later on in the show. Well, Christian, any glimmer of hope that might have remained after we joked about it a little bit last week with Chris Botta over at RJ Daniels has has been has been extinguished. It's all it's all but faded away. The Isles dropped a couple since then, and the Caps went on a three-game winning streak. It's all officially over. With that, Christian, what do you say, CA? <laughs> well, that was the most <laughs> depressing toss you could ever imagine. What do you mean? In the history of the show. You think so? At least since yeah, I've been it's on. probably that's probably the grimmest <laughs> things have been. It's since, over since you have to. It's in. all over. What do you say, <laughs> CA? Let's talk about happy stuff. All right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, listen. I think as much as we joked about it the other week, and I think as much as people kind of wanted to hold out hope, reality has set in. But that's not. There the, was like this much then. Now there's this much. But there was like this much then. Now there's this. much. Like reality set in. Yeah, uh, reality. It's, it's the reality of it wasn't that it wasn't going to happen uh, officially setting in. But uh, listen, you, you take the good with the bad, and it's been an interesting week for the New York Islanders. You can say that um, between a lot of different things happening, between a, a, a nice win over the Carolina Hurricanes, yeah, Zeke is getting suspended, the Islanders getting blown out, and and, and uh, <laughs> St. Louis, Corey Schneider getting in Corey the game. Schneider's return, which was yeah. a very cool story out in, um, when they played the Devils, yeah. I mean, that's really the way you got to look at the rest of the season is there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs, but a lot of it's just kind of finding those those little nuggets to hold on to. And then 
um, understanding that this is this is now a growing process and a learning process and kind of back to a lot of those those kind of adjectives and cliches that we show use me that smile again <laughs> those adjectives and <laughs> and um kind of cliches we used a long time ago back when this was sort of the norm around here yeah. uh mm-hmm. i think at this point you got to take it for what it is uh and hope that the islanders are moving towards better things in the future uh because it's just not happening this season it's not it's not, but there's hope, and we've talked about that. There's hope for next year. We're starting to see, or we've been seeing some positive things that you can, like you said, kind of cling on to yeah. since we hit maybe the second half of the season when you have guys like, you know, J.G. Pajot and Zach Parisi and Kyle Palmieri, all whom happen to have last names starting with the letter P, all performing much better from basically the halfway point until now, which is good because, you know, if that had a state constant until the end of the season it really you know raises a lot of question marks for for next season yeah so you know maybe that gives a little more hope that those guys are going to be able to potentially contribute on a more consistent basis now obviously there's a lot more things to think about as far as you know what what's going to come next year and and we've talked about how it's going to be a big summer and all that but yeah but you're right you know there's there's definitely some things to look out for you know you look at maybe some of the younger guys that have gotten into the lineup how they performed grand hutton with his first goal the the only goal against the (laughs) st louis blues on, on an otherwise forgettable forgettable night for the islanders yeah, that was, what, second of back-to-backs going into St. Louis after playing the Hurricanes. Yeah, oddly enough, on this five-game road trip, they go 3-2, and two, which, again, normal season, that's a solid road trip. Right. Oddly, they, they beat all three teams from the East and lost to the two Western <laughs> Conference teams. They lost. They dropped to, to Dallas, they dropped right. to St. Louis, and they beat the Devils, the Rangers, and the Canes for whatever that's worth. But look, overall, they've been playing better lately, and... Look, even though we know where they're not going in May, yeah. they're giving fans something to cheer about, and it's, it took a long time. They are. They are. It did take a long time. Boy, that, that did take a long time. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's really all you can kind of say is this is now what's what's coming up for the future. And, and like I said, you got to hold on to those little things at this point because it's it's just going to get as we move in as deeper into April and – you know, you see the teams that are going to make the playoffs and have a potential uh, deep run in the postseason – Teams in front of the Islanders, teams that wear red, white, and blue, and reside in Manhattan. <laughs> You're such a uh, jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's you have to understand at this point that, like Sean said, like we've been talking about a lot in the last couple weeks, is that the summer is where things are really going to get interesting. The, tra- the NHL draft in Montreal this year where things are going to get really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, to see what t- comes out of it. I mean, there are so many big questions facing the Islanders. And, and one thing you said that I thought was interesting was the fact that, um, you know, you look at the, the, the P's or the killer P's, I guess you can almost <laughs> sure, call them. Sure, why not? Uh, Parisi, Palmieri, and what was the last? Peugeot. Peugeot. Yes. Uh, sorry. Jean Gaultier. Gabriel. Gabriel. <laughs> Jean Gaultier is the cologne, actually. That's the, that's the eau de toilette. <laughs> Jean Gaultier. <laughs> you ever wear that, buddy? No. no. No? No, no, Yeah. Okay. If B. Compton was here, he'd probably say something like, You're, you know, children don't wear cologne or something like that. Mm, that's true. You're probably not Make the enough. joke for... Right, um, right. But, but yeah, you look at that, and, and the one thing you said about it that I thought was interesting was the... was the It, it gives you a little more hope that they can kind of do this yeah. next season. Again, I go back to what I said maybe a couple shows ago where, you know, I think two things can kind of be true, where maybe their play has, has progressed because the pressure's mm-hmm. kind of come off of them, and 
the, the reality of what the Islanders' situation was kind of set in a little bit earlier, especially for guys like Parisi and Palmieri who've mm-hmm. been around a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can almost say the same thing about Pajot too. But, you know, everything everything you look at is you take the good right now and, and you're seeing that and you're kind of using that as hope for next season. Yeah. Silver linings, if you will. Silver linings. But let's man. look at some of those. Three and two. Islanders, that's a winning record right there. There you go. Solid road trip. Yeah. Solid road trip. So let's look at those storylines. Corey Schneider gets back into a game. First time in around two years. Gets to play his former team, the Devils, in the Prudential Center. Gets himself a win. I mean, that's pretty awesome story. Uh, it's a fantastic story. Yeah. Everything that, that, you know, Corey Schneider has gone through over the last couple of years, right. inc- including the loss of a close family member during that stretch as well. Um, during his tenure here, you, you know, you couldn't f- help but just feel happy for the guy and good right. for what just that, you know, everything you hear about Corey Schneider uh, as a person, as a player is nothing but positive. I feel like you say that a lot of a lot with with hockey players. Yeah. but certainly that's that extends to Corey Schneider. And I, I don't think there's one person that had a bad thing to say about him after that game, especially too. Um, you know, it's a great storyline. Corey Schneider. Was a you know a big figure with the Devils for for a while after he got there, and you know maybe his tenure didn't pan out exactly right. how I think he and the and the Devils at the time expected it to and wanted it to. <laughs> you know there was nothing but love for him, right. uh, even from the fan base, and even after he left. So you know he comes back around similar to Paul Mary and some of these other guys who ended up in Islanders jerseys and Zach Parise. You know right. a second chance and opportunity to 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 play and and you know make some money and and chase your dreams still with an organization. And obviously Schneider hasn't had a ton of opportunities with, you know, Semyon Varlamov and Thomas Grice here for so long. And then uh, uh, I was about to say Sebastian Ajo for some reason. <laughs> then you have Ilya Sorokin and, and, and Varlamov the last couple <clears throat> seasons. They've mm-hmm. they've played absolutely dynamite hockey. And there just hasn't been an opportunity for, for Corey Schneider that to, to really get in the net. And, right. you know, it was a nice story to see him come back and, and get that opportunity and play in New Jersey of all places. I think that was great. And yeah. to kind of have the performance he had, I mean, he wasn't tested a lot. It wasn't like the sure. Devils were beating down the Islanders' door to, to score goals that game. But, you know, Schneider had a good game and, you know, he gets to do in a building that really, I think, um, you know, kind of became a little bit synonymous with his career. And the team rallied around him. I think yeah. that was kind of the big thing, right, where they wanted to win this game for him. And I think maybe they, you know, not that they don't put – you know, all their effort on the table most nights as it is. But, you know, that's an, that's a game where they look at each other and say, hey, let's let's win this one for, one for Corey. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was nice to see them get the win for him. It was nice to see him kind of uh, get a nice little moment there. Because who knows? I mean, the truth is that that may end up being his last start as, a, as an NHL goaltender. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great way to go out. And I think, like you said, a lot of those guys recognize the scenario, recognize the situation, I should say. Right. And, you know, they responded. And like everything else, you know, this is, this is – the players that the Islanders bring in have obviously a pedigree on the ice, but there is also that personality and that character that the Islanders always talk about when it comes to their players. And I have to imagine that, you know, Lou Blamerell obviously brought him in because he knows him for so long from, from New Jersey and, you know, a guy that can help some, some of the young players, whether it's goaltenders or up at the, up on the Island or whether that was players down in Bridgeport at the Bridgeport Islanders, I want to say sound tigers, but Bridgeport Islanders, you know, He's that character guy, and, and and you know, so many so many guys have seen him play and, and played against him. I'm sure that they just they wanted that opportunity to give him one last, if if it is one last great memory in the, at the NHL level. Yeah, it was fantastic. And speaking of goalies, Ilya Sorokin came back. He played in that game against the Canes, got himself a nice win, looked uh, in solid Ilya Sorokin form. So nice to see him back and. 
you know, you'd basically just see him him and Varlamov split the nets for here on out. And, you know, I would imagine they'll probably split the nets, maybe maybe 50-50 a little more, maybe since there's not so much of a reliance on chasing anybody at this right. point. You know, maybe we'll see Varlamov get a few more games than we might have if they were uh, actually in the midst of a, of a playoff chase right now. So I'm curious to see who they end up going with tomorrow against the Penguins. They got that home-and-home home coming up, but uh, we shall see. Yes, another, uh, you know, it's a rivalry. Back on back in that opportunity. Jeez, we haven't haven't talked about this in a long time, but back in that back in the opportunity to kind of play spoiler against some of these teams and yeah, you know, wow. throw that dagger into into playoff hopes or seeding hopes or whatever the case may be. So sure. that's kind of the motivation at this point. Take them all out. Yeah, take them all down. Take them all. Take them all out. Start, start with the pens tomorrow. Well, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY and, of course, your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Islanders Radio Voice, Chris King, will be joining us. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Killer job over here, Sean. <laughs> Not unmuting my mic. Oh, that's on me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right. Christian Arnold and Sean Cuthbert with you. We Well, we figured you enjoyed the ads so much that we played them twice in the span of two minutes. But we thought we'd bring you back now instead of giving you a third encore. I was with us on the line right now, brought to you by our friends each and every week, Thai Technology. And on the line with us is, of course, the great radio voice of the New York Islanders, Chris King. Kinger, how's it going, my friend? I'm all right. How are you guys? 
Well, I'd be doing great if Sean would turn my mic on every once in a while. I mean, you you work in radio. You understand. Sometimes it's you just... It's kind you, of a prerequisite to do the show. Yeah. yeah. Chris, Christian Arnold <laughs> is, is the ultimate blame shifter. If I've come to learn anything about this gentleman since we started this uh, partnership, if you will, he is he is very quick to uh, shovel the blame elsewhere. That's for right, sure. Let, let's hash this out, guys. Uh, <laughs> is you? Or is it Sean? Like, come on. The, the folks want to know who's guilty here. Oh, it's on. definitely Sean. It's true. It's, it's, uh, we, we appreciate you joining us for our uh, in-house therapy <laughs> session, Chris. Don't mean to surprise you, but this is actually the reason why we brought you on the show, so you could play a uh, team psychologist here. But it was all Christian's fault, obviously. Obviously, of course. All right, uh, we, we got it out in the open. <laughs> Kinger, uh, obviously, there's a lot to talk about with, with the Islanders now and, and kind of what this wild season has become and, and where it's going towards the end of the year now. But I, I thought, you know, we, Sean and I started the show on a little bit of a, a downward slope, but we'll start with a little bit positive here. And I want to go back to the game in New Jersey with Corey Schneider we were just talking about that a little bit and just um you know Sean and I obviously weren't there in person but but for you Kinger you were there you got to see that that in person Corey Schneider playing for the first time in two years what was that like to see in person and and call that game and and what did it mean to the players in the Islanders locker room to get him that win yeah it was terrific to call in person because of the storylines you know that played out and obviously the pregame storyline was was Corey Schneider I mean here's a guy who's you know been with the team for two years We've seen his, seen him dress as a backup over and over and over again. Hasn't played an NHL game in over two years. Um, the fact that that game comes in the same building where he played his last NHL game at Prudential Center was kind of ironic that he talked about afterwards. And believe it or not, Greg and I had done a preseason game this year in Bridgeport where Corey Schneider played the game and shut out. I think it was the Philadelphia Flyers. That's right. Yeah, shut out against the Flyers. So we had actually done a game, called a game, that Corey Schneider had played as an Islander, not just backed up, and had a shutout and, and played really well. And you know what? The timing of it, I think, just worked out perfectly for the Islanders because he was red hot at Bridgeport. I think the numbers I had coming into that game in Jersey, he was like 6-1-1 one, and one in his last eight, and he'd given up only seven goals total in his last six starts, something like that. So I mean, it was the absolute perfect timing to say, hey, let's, you know, let, let's get him in there. Let's give the other two goaltenders a break and see what he can do. And, uh, you know, he played spectacular. Um, the guys afterwards, you know, we had so many postgame interviews, you know, to a man said how much it meant to them to be able to reward him for, you know, the, the dozens and dozens and dozens of practices when you never get a chance to play can be so frustrating. But, you know, just a, a true professional the entire way. And you could just see. You know, it wasn't just a normal, a quick tap on the head for a goalie kind of victory line. It was long hugs. It was head shakes. It was, you know, stick taps. It was, it, you could tell it meant more to the guys and to him than it did from, from a normal win. So that was kind of like the storyline going in. And then to have J.G. Pajot have, you know, the natural hat trick, the four-point game. And if you remember, at that point, that gave them their first four-game winning streak of the year. They hadn't done that all year. And they were, at that point, 11-3-1 in their last 15 games. So that was, you know, like the real high point before they lost two of the last three on the road trip. But uh, that was a special moment for Corey, and I was just so glad he got it. And I believe it was literally the next day he was back in Bridgeport, I think, <laughs> playing the Sunday afternoon game yeah. for the Baby Isles. Yeah. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, King, or wasn't he scheduled to start that that blackout game then at the Prudential Center? I think like a week later or something like that. Remember the game that they had to cancel? I remember the game. Yeah, I'm not, he might have been. You know what? He might have been Christian. I'm not sure about that because uh, you know I can't think of another situation where you know. First of all, Barry usually doesn't tell us who right. the goalie is, right? <laughs> so that I'm not 100 percent sure. And I do remember the blackout game because I, apparently the team had uh, all kinds of issues getting over there. We were still doing remote broadcasts at that yeah. point. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that's true, but for him just to have it there, you know, this is where he, you know, had so much great success with the Devils in that building and, and to have it go as well as it did. It was a real feel-good day. It really was. No question about it, Chris. And, and you talk about the recent play of the Islanders, how the records been better, how they're looking a little more like themselves. I mean, what does that mean for this team where they know, you know, beyond being mathematically out there, they're out of the race this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. And you get a great quote from Matt Barzell not too long ago, long ago, very professional, talking about how they're still playing for the fans, they're still playing for wins. Uh, you know, that's that's who pays in the money and all that sort of thing. I mean, what does it mean for these players, if you can kind of try to dive into their heads here, where, where they know where they're at, but they're still trying to play for pride and, and maybe for for Barry Trotz's, you know, the jobs that he's going to dole out next season. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Sean. I, I really, uh, especially after that Devil game, I still go back to that Devil game. When they won that Devil game, okay, uh, they had had that, that, as I mentioned, was their first four-game winning streak of the right. year, okay? The Capitals were off that entire week. So those were effectively the four games they had in hand on Washington. Yeah. And they cut that Caps lead down from 19 points to 11 points. So I know 11 points still sounds a lot, but this is like a point we've been going over quite a bit on the air recently. And again, although 11 points is a lot to trim down, you have to remember that the final week of the season, the Islanders have a home and home against the Capitals, and then they host Tampa in the last game. The Capitals have the home and home against the Islanders, and then they're at Madison Square Garden to end their season the next night. So although, you know, cutting 19 points down to 11, you may say, hey, it's still far away. In reality, the Islanders just needed to get that 11-point deficit down to six before the final three games. Because if they could win the home-and-home, home, they win their last game, the Caps lose at the Garden, then guess what? The Islanders actually own the tiebreak of, of right. uh, regulation wins right now over Washington, believe it or not. So to, to us on the air, we were discussing, hey, this is an 11-point deficit now that you need to get down to six. So can you trim five points off the Caps' lead in three weeks? And that was very doable. It really was. The problem became Washington at the time was playing awful. The Islanders were playing great. Right. Now it's kind of gone the other way. The Islanders actually had two games, two games where if they would have won, that lead would have been nine points. So now if you say nine-point deficit, can we cut it to six? You know, you can trim three points in, in, in two days, honestly, if both teams play, right? So to me, it was very, very doable at the 11-point mark, trying to get 11 down to 6, right? You can trim five points in two or three weeks. They absolutely were still in it, although it didn't seem like it. But a lot of people weren't closely following that schedule right. and realizing that as long as you're within six points with the final three games to go, because two of them are head-to-head, -head, it's still there for you. But now, you know, the Islanders dropped two of the last three on the road trip. Washington comes back to form, and suddenly it's 15 again. And now... Absolutely, it's not doable anymore. But but at eleven, you know, that close to nine, it, it was getting very interesting. So yeah, they've all said you know the right things, and even um, I think it was Anders Lee who who brought it up recently, where he you know he even used the word narrative. He said the narrative you've been getting for us is from us is you know we're going to play it out hard. We're going to you know every game matters. We're you know we certainly want to try to carry this momentum over into next season. There was some talk of that. But suddenly that narrative switched when, you know, they got within striking distance of the Washington Capitals. Unfortunately, now, like I said, it's gone back the other way. But I still do think there's a lot to play for. You know, Barry Trott said he didn't think it would be a situation where they'd bring up a lot of Bridgeport guys while they were still mathematically alive. So I don't think we're going to see that. But but certainly there's a lot of guys who have a lot to prove. You know, veteran forwards, absolutely, uh, who maybe had slow starts. And I think we all know who we're talking about there. Uh, you know, a lot of them. 
who've uh, who've come around much much stronger in the second half. So I still think there is a lot to play for. Obviously, there's a couple guys out injured, a couple spots you know that that are being filled nicely by uh, by guys like Grant Hutton. You know, really getting a chance to step up now and scoring his first goal. So you are getting to look at some of these guys, but I think pride is a big thing. You know, this is this is a very prideful group that went to the semis in back-to-back years. And now, you know, it certainly appears they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time under Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello. So um, you want to finish strong, although it doesn't look like it's going to matter now. Uh, I think in the end, it, it still is important to, to prove that, you know, the team that played the final quarter of the season, let's say, is the team that you expected to have all year long. But there were, you know, so many factors that conspired against that actually occurring. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up the young guys. And, and do you see now that, I guess, you know, that the pressure trying to make the playoffs is off, and, you know, maybe Barry was trying to lean on some veterans a little bit more. But Kiefer Bellows had his eyes time reduced quite a bit. He hasn't been playing as much. Do you think he's going to get back in there now? Maybe that, you know, they're not really fighting for a playoff spot anymore? Because, I mean, he's obviously a guy that they still want to see what he has, right? Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent, right? So he's uh, he and Noah Dobson are really the only two restricted free agents the Islanders have. Obviously, Dobson's a huge one that they're going to take care of, but they have to make a decision on Kiefer. And, uh, yeah, right now he's the odd man out. Right now the Islanders are 13 forwards, and, and he's the 13th yeah. uh, the last couple of nights. Uh, Ross Johnston's been in, and he's been out. So um, I'd like to see him get some more ice time, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty telling that, you know, they had an opportunity to play him in the final game of the road trip in St. Louis. Yep. Uh, you know, if they had chosen to just shift Zach Parisi to center, I know when Casey got the one-game suspension, you obviously need a fourth-line center. And in my mind, I thought Zach would just come off that third line. He would center, as he's done quite a bit this year, and then they'd, they'd put Kiefer Bellows back in. But it didn't work that way. They wanted, you know, Andy Andrioff as a true center to keep Zach on that third line where, where he's been having some success with, with Barzell. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's interesting to me. That was the real telling point that, you know, they had an opportunity to get Bellows back in there. Instead, they made the phone call to Bridgeport and brought up Andy Andrioff so that they could keep Parisi on the left wing with Barzell and Wallstrom and, and you know, try to keep those top three lines intact. But that, that had to hurt Kiefer, I think, because, yeah. uh, you know, here's an opportunity where he's the extra forward. You got to forward out, and, and he still didn't get in the lineup. Talking with Chris King here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. Kinger, you mentioned the Sezikis hit, and Sean and I haven't talked about it yet, but I did want to get your opinion on what you what did you see in that play? Obviously, Casey is a, a very physical player. We all know that, and we know that. When he made, when something like that happens, it's never intentional with, with a guy like Sezikis. But what did you see in that moment? Did you think he kind of got a fair shake from the league? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I saw what Casey said, uh, you know, what the, the words, the, the kind of the, I guess the transcript, if you will, of what we got from his side of it in the hearing. And that was, you know, he kind of saw him turn at the last second and, and then, you know, was, was kind of just, you know, finishing his check. That's what he and, and Maddie and Clutter do, you know, when they're all healthy every time they're on the ice, right? They finish the checks deep in the, in the offensive zone, and that's what he was doing there. So I think once he saw him turn a little bit, he figured he was all right. But, you know, when I listened back to the league's explanation of it, you know, they didn't feel that, you know, that that was enough and that he was targeting him from a long way away. And, and he saw the numbers the whole time, which is absolutely true. So, um it's tough to say, you know, and like you said, we know Casey so well, yeah. he is not a dirty hockey player. And, and they made the point in the explanation video to bring up he had never been fined. He had never been suspended. This was the first time ever in, in both situations for Casey. So I'm sure it was tough for him to miss a game. You, you guys know him so well, too. He he doesn't want to miss a shift, let yeah, alone games. Right, so, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know. The NHL, you know, you got to respect the decision-making process. It was only one game, which, uh, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but to a guy like Casey, again, who's so prideful and plays the game so hard but so clean, 
Uh, I think it was frustrating for him because his view of it was that, you know, there was that little turn there where it wasn't a direct hit from behind. Yeah, it's, and like everything else, this game is played at, at such a quick speed right. that it, it changes in, in such a snap of a finger, and it's not a lot of time to write. It is it is a tough call uh, by the officials in the league. I'll, I'll give them that for sure. Kinger, obviously, with with the way this week has transpired, the six one loss to St. Louis, the the you know big win uh, over the Carolina Hurricanes the night before for the Islanders. Looking at those two games and kind of the performances from from some players out there on the ice, what have you seen? Um, that's kind of surprised you, I guess, over the last week or so from this from this hockey team. And, uh, you know, kind of going forward here, what are you expecting out of certain guys? Or is there one particular player that you're looking at to may, really kind of maybe, you know, finish the season off on, on a right on a especially high note uh, considering the way they started? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we talked about, I mentioned the veterans. If you look mm-hmm. back at, you know, the first quarter of the season, I believe, you know, at nearly the 25-game mark in, which is around, you know, 21-22, the first quarter of the season, I think Bailey had one goal, Parisi had one goal, and Palmieri had one goal. So those were, you know, three veterans who were really struggling. Obviously, Palmieri of late has been the Palmieri we saw in the playoffs where he was tied for the team lead in goals with Brock Nelson with uh, seven in the postseason. Zach Parisi had a nice run, and as I mentioned, he's kind of settled in on that line now with Barzell and Wallstrom. And Bailey, you know, the goal scoring hasn't been there, but the points still have is, you know, he's always going to be a pass-first guy. So, you know, those are some of the veterans. And, and, you know, going back to those two games, the game in Carolina, you know, was just tremendous. Uh, For them to go in there and face the top team in the Metro, uh, Carolina the night before had been just the third team in the league to hit the 100-point mark, Uh, have Sorokin play as well as he did, and, I mean, lose the shutout and the lead with under a minute to go. And, And Barry Trotz was asked this after the game. He said, you know, a year ago, well, I know you said a year ago. They asked him, you know, earlier in the season, would this have been the type of game that your team could still come back and win? And he said probably not because they were just so fragile early on in the year. But because of the way they'd been playing, you know, going into that game, uh, to their credit, I mean, Kyle Palmieri made an unbelievable play with uh, – Oh, yeah. It was insane. He's holding off Brady Shea with one arm as he's curling the puck on the, the curve of his blade with the other – goes from behind the net, fighting him off to in front, and just releases that hand at the last second to get it back on the stick and snap it home. And, you know, it was an incredible 45 seconds. 45 seconds was the time <laughs> between the tying goal for Carolina and the winning goal for Palmieri. So to come off the high of that, you know, I, I kind of felt that they would be sitting ducks in St. Louis, guys. I hate to say it, but you know what? The Blues, uh, you know, had played the night before too, but at home. And it was a really intense game against Minnesota, as that's the team, you know, that looks like that's going to be their first-round playoff matchup too. Mm. So potential playoff preview. But you don't often see, you know, back-to-backs where teams going from one road city to the other, where you're talking about, you know, a two-hour flight. It's usually a little closer than that. Um so, you know, th- th- I-, I had a feeling it might be one of those nights. I was hoping the feeling was going to be wrong. But, uh, you know, Barry Trotz used words afterwards like we were brain dead. We were, uh, <laughs> you know, for him to even say that. Yeah. And I think the ultimate, you know, what we took away, we led our postgame show with is uh, the night before in Carolina was his 1800th game as a head coach in the National Hockey League. And then the next night he throws the stick on yep. the ice, right, trying to get the referee's attention. And I literally said to him, how many times in 1,800 NHL games has he thrown a stick on the ice in frustration? Uh, again, to try to get the ref's attention, yes, but it's 4 nothing at that point. He wants a timeout. He can't, you know, they, they can't hear him. The building was so loud. But to have Barry throw it, I think it was Beauvillier, <laughs> grabbed Beauvillier's stick and just threw it on Even Bo was shocked, I think, just threw it on the ice. 
Uh, it, it was one of those nights. It was just one of those nights that, you know, they're down, was it 5 nothing? I think, you know, before even the midpoint of the second period. So, um, you know, that, that was the one you throw it away, the last game of the trip. And, and Greg and I talked about this on the postgame show. If they were still in the hunt and battling and, and right in the middle of it, you'd say, hey, a 3-2 and two trip with all that travel and all that late night uh, moving around the country, different time zones. You know, they went central, east, central, which made no sense at all. Dallas, Carolina, St. Louis, right? It just wasn't structured well. Um, but, you know, had they been in the hunt and in the fight, you'd say, hey, three and two trip. You got six to ten points. You got to be happy with it. But where they were, again, having Washington win earlier in the day and yeah. then lose, and now it's 15 yeah. points. And, and you just kind of sense that that was the turning point and that they lost that game and Washington won the back-to-back matinees on the weekend. So what was an 11-point deficit became 15. And, and even as I explained, you know, you try to just get it down to six. 15 to six now, can you trim nine points off in less than two weeks? It, it's, it, I just, it, 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 it's still mathematically possible, yes. Right. <laughs> Washington would have to go into a, a mighty tailspin and the Islanders would almost have to run the table. I mean, yeah. as a Mets fan, you know, I, I can see it happening because, I mean, you know, that happens every year to the Mets when they're good. So. No, but, you know, you say this stuff. Everybody remembers 06, 07. That's right. Sanders. They That's had a situation right. where down the stretch they had to win their own four games and they had to have two other games turn in their favor. So there were six games that all had to play out exactly one way and one way only for them to get in, and that's exactly what happened. But, again, this is a lot more than six right now because – Again, the fate of them isn't in their own hands. It's like they need Washington to lose and lose a lot. And it looks like the Caps, who were, I think, going into the weekend, you know, two wins in the last six, really kind of righted the ship this weekend and and turned an 11-point lead into a 15-pointer. Yeah, it would have been a fun storyline, Chris, that's for sure. And it <laughs> actually... Oh, guys, you got to play it out even further, right? <laughs> Down six points. Let's say they win both in regulation. Now it's two points. Islanders are playing Tampa at home, obviously right. the team that's eliminated them the last right. two years, right? And the Caps are going into Madison Square Garden, so every Islander fan would have had to root for the Rangers, yes. even yeah. though I've had some people tell me no, they still wouldn't root for the <laughs> That <laughs> is stubbornness at its best. Right? That's so incredible. You imagine that. Islanders need a regulation win at home over Tampa, yeah. their kryptonite over the last two years, and... They need the Rangers to win in regulation over the Caps at the Garden on the final night of the regular season. It, it, it was so juicy, it, and it was so close. As I say, it was so close, uh, and it could still get there, but it would really right. take uh, you know, something insane to happen. But, boy, if we got to that in the final week, that would have been a final week to remember, just like 06, 07 was. Yeah, no, it would have been high drama, and it would have actually made Paul Mary's goal all the more bananas, right? I mean, you think about that goal. Absolutely. In regulation, too, right, to you know not have it be a three-point game, and oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. But I wanted to take it back to um, real quick. The Islanders lost a game to the Dallas Stars on a shorthanded goal, and that was their seventh shorthanded goal against. <laughs> they gave up zero. During the regular season, like we all know the one they gave up <laughs> at the end actually, of last that's year. That's funny. It actually wasn't one, but it, it's funny. Everyone does miss that, mess that up, Sean. And again, I'm not putting you on this, but they were the only <laughs> team in the regular season that hadn't given one up. They were the only team. Okay. In the playoffs, they actually did give one up in the Pittsburgh series. Ah, okay. So Fair enough. Fair play. Yanni Gord was the second one they allowed <laughs> in the playoffs, but the one in, you know, the one nothing game seven. And that's it. Yeah, but Radic Fox uh, with, the, with the one in Dallas. Uh, I mean, just to have that be the winning goal, too. It's funny you brought that up because Greg and I talked about it in the postgame show. It felt like Tampa again. Obviously, it wasn't the mm, magnitude of right. it. But to have the game decided on a shorthanded goal, ugh. But I guess the question is, 
what's the, and not you know just to see if you have any insight on this, but you know to go from zero against in the regular season last year. Now, granted, you're p- playing what another thirty games this year. Yeah, yeah. But you go from zero to seven. I mean, is there something going on on the power play that's just you know, is it luck? Is it maybe just the way they've they've adjusted their power play that makes them more susceptible to it? Do you have any any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a great question, Sean. You know, it really is. And like you said, going from zero to seven, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta try to put your finger on it for somehow. And and I mean, I, I know, I still think uh, you know it, everybody's running the umbrella these days, right? Everybody's doing the one three one. It's one defenseman. Mm-hmm. So were there times the season before where they had a two D set? Not that I can remember right. too. Much, so. Um, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking of the guys who are on those units and everything like that. And uh, there's not anything I can put my finger on. Right. But to go from zero to seven, how do you figure that one out? It's just, uh, it's opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at the Yanni Gord one and that was, you know, the situation where Barry still says, you know, three guys went to the puck carrier and, uh, and Yanni <laughs> opened down the middle. That, that was really ugly. I'm still twitching from that, Chris. Oh, we <laughs> but, you know, the Radic Fox one was a heartbreaker because that, that's the game winner as well. I'm, I'm just trying to run through some of the other ones in my mind. And usually when, it, when you're in that 1-3-1 one, one of the umbrella, you know, it's a blocked point-to-point pass or something right. where the forward's racing away to try to create a breakaway or a two-on-one when the lone defender's back. But yeah. I, I can't – it's a great question. I can't figure out in my mind, like, why it would go so dramatically different from zero and the only team at zero to seven, which yeah. is, you know, pushing the league lead now. No. Yeah. Talking with Chris King, the radio voice of the New York Islanders here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And, Kinger, you have given us a, a very charitable amount of your time, so we won't take up too much more of it. Um, but I did want to kind of end the uh, end the conversation here. Uh, it's a two-part question, but obviously as a veteran broadcaster yourself, uh, Brendan Burke, I believe today is the, the anniversary of the iconic Game 1 to the Island call by Brendan Burke in the playoffs yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and obviously everyone remembers that call. And, and Kinger, you have so many memor- memorable calls yourself during the playoffs and the last couple of years with, along with the success of this, this Islanders organization. But when you look at the development and talk about young guys coming up and making an error, <laughs> but when you look at the development of Brendan Burke as a broadcaster, he's really become someone that has, you know, when you look at some of the greats around the league, he's, he's in that conversation now. Um, you know, having known Brendan for as long as you have and, and, and obviously watching him kind of come into his own here with the Islanders, what has that been like for you um, as someone who's been around the organization for as long as you have and worked with so many um, or called so many great broadcasters, colleagues of yours? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Christian. Yeah. I honestly think right now he's the best play-by-play man in the National Hockey League. I do. And, and you know, it, it's funny. I don't get to you know, listen to him on Islander games too much, although I do record every game just so I can watch things back, but I hear and watch most of his national games. And again, I'm good friends with a lot of the other guys, and I don't mean to put down any of those other guys, but I would say right now that that Brendan's the best in the league at what he does. He's just night in and night out. He's so well prepared. He he brings it. He he, he has such a good mix of, you know, uh, the play-by-play and anecdotes and the way he works in his analysts and, and everything. So, uh, you know, for to do what he's done in the short period of time, uh, it's nothing short of remarkable that, you know, he's basically, you know, the number two guy behind Kenny Albert, who we all respect so much because, um, you know, he Kenny, I'll say, is, you know, Mr. Versatile. He can do a hockey game, a baseball game, yeah. a basketball game, a football game in the same weekend, sometimes does when yeah. those seasons cross. But, uh, you know, right now at TNT, Kenny's number one, Brendan's number two. But but I, you know, for my money, I'm looking at uh, especially the way, you know, the ESPN uh 
package kind of came together where they didn't really go out and get the best hockey guys. They kind of stayed in-house. And, mm -hmm. and again, they're allowed to do that. I have nothing against that. You know, they wanted to use their own announcers, an own announcers who are already working for the network and are in-house guys, whereas TNT took the opposite approach. They were like, let's go get the best broadcasters out there, hockey guys, right? And they're bringing in Kenny Albert to be the number one and Brendan Burke to be the number two. So, uh, yeah, when I get a chance to listen to Brendan, which, which is, again, rarely on Islander Games, and, and I, you know, I had a little stay on the, on the COVID protocol list and, uh, and got to hear quite a bit of him uh, in bad circumstances. But, you know, I'm turning him on doing the TNT games now all the time. And, and he's just absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. We're yeah. very uh, spoiled here on the island between yourself and, uh, and Brendan, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And again, I want to put in a plug for Alan Fearing. Look what happens this weekend. Yeah. Wow, you guys both stole Alan, the thunder out of my next question because yeah. that was going to be my next question. King, we're obviously talking about developing the young guys, and you look at Alan Fearing getting the call up from, from Bridgeport. He is the voice of the, of the Bridgeport Islanders down there, been doing a tremendous job for the last couple of years. Not only... Has he gotten the nod from the Islanders to come up and do some MSG broadcasts? But I believe he's done some NBC Sports out in Chicago uh, broadcasts, if I'm not mistaken, as well this season. What have, I mean, again, just to kind of see and have the opportunity to see these guys come up in, in, in their development and, and see them kind of grow and, and make a mark. What is that like for you as a, as a yeah, broadcaster? I just couldn't be more proud of Alan because I've worked with Alan, you know, the last couple of years. And he's a guy that, you know, just wanted to learn, learn, learn and would constantly say, you know, here's my tapes. Take a listen. You know, check in on the broadcast because I tell them, you know, all the time, which I do. If I'm doing work at night and and the Bridgeport Islanders have a game, I'm putting that on as I do my work just to listen to him. And he was always, you know, so good again, so well prepared. Uh, you know, just a tremendous young broadcaster. And then, as you said, he got a couple of opportunities this season. The Chicago Blackhawks uh, had a situation where Pat Foley, their legendary TV voice, was retiring. So what they decided to do this year was bring in a, a bunch of guys who would get shots at play-by-play -play on television and a bunch of guys who would get shots at play-by-play -play on radio, including my old partner, John Weideman, who's the current radio voice for the Blackhawks, right. getting a chance to move up to TV. So on those nights, they would need radio fill-in. And then they wanted to see, you know, other broadcasters do the TV thing as well. So I couldn't have been more thrilled for Alan, you know, who, who's from that area, grew up a huge Blackhawks fan. Uh, to be able to see him get to do Blackhawks radio and Blackhawks television was unbelievable. And then this past weekend to get the opportunity with the Islanders, you know, he's done the Bridgeport Islanders for six or seven years now. And, you know, Sound Tigers to Islanders. But it, it's almost like the Grant Hutton story, right? You're, you're bringing up <laughs> Grant Hutton. And, and that's the ultimate irony of it is that, you know, when, when Alan gets to do his first Islander game on television and he's filled in a bunch for me on the radio when I was in that COVID protocol situation, uh, he and Greg kind of split those games down the middle and he was tremendous on the radio side. But to get the TV side, and then to have Grant Hutton score, a guy he knows better than anyone because Hutton's been in Bridgeport for four years. Um, I know there was a little exchange, a text exchange between them after the game right. where, you know, Allen was congratulating Grant on his first NHL goal. And Grant was saying it meant so much more because you got to call it. So uh, I, I was just thrilled for Allen that, you know, the lone bright spot in his first Islander game on television <laughs> in a 6-1 loss and for a while as I'm doing the game in St. Louis he was actually back at in the Manhattan studios at MSG doing it I'm saying, please tell me they're going to get him a goal. Please tell me they get him at least one goal. But you know what? I couldn't have picked a better guy to get it in Grant Hutton because I know you know how close he and Allen have become over the last four years up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Chris King, the Islanders' voice on the radio. You can hear him every Islanders game on the Islanders' radio network. And then, uh, you know, Sean mentioned that Islander fans have been spoiled by having so many great and talented broadcasters come through Absolutely. come through the island. But, I, I, Sean, I have to say we're pretty spoiled because we, I think we'd say – 
we'd have we've had three legendary broadcasters come on to this podcast since you and I started. That would be yeah. the great Doc Emmerich, yeah. Brennan Burke, and of course future NHL Hall of Famer Chris King right here. You know what, Chris? And I know you don't not usually a- go by Chris, but yeah. not a bad gig here. We get to talk to some pretty uh, pretty awesome yeah. people in the hockey world. So, you Chris, even, oh, you can't even be Doc Emmerich. My goodness, <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's a whole other stratosphere, guys. So, uh, but thank you, thank you, absolutely, Chris King. Islanders Radio Voice, thank you so much for joining us. Always a great time. Appreciate all your time and look forward to next time, Chris. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Always great talking hockey with you. You of got course. it. Take care. Chris King from the Islanders Ooh. Radio Network. I'm being serious and I say we've had three of the best broadcasters in the business on Hell the yeah, show. Man. Brendan Burke, Doc Emmerich, and, and, and King. We right had here. them on together. Yes. Remember we had Chris and Brendan yes. on together yeah, for a little round table? That was a lot of fun. That was yeah. a lot of fun. We're, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, got to get Doc back on. Yeah, Maybe I mean, he's not doing much. Maybe he'll come into the studio. <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. I mean, the man's retired. Might have some time. Gonna have to reach out. I mean, he can yeah. just come and just put the voicemail on my phone. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Just say things and record it. Be awesome yeah. to have. That'd, that'd be enough for me. Oh, I yeah. mean, as 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 Chris said, legend. Yeah, legend in the broadcast booth. But yes, the train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. Fantastic stuff from Chris. King. And yeah, a little strange, right? How the Islanders go from zero shorthanded goals against. Now, mind you, again, in a shortened Short season. season. But still. But to seven. You know, because what? It's only like maybe 20-something more. 24 more. What did they play? 58 last year? They played 56, I thought. All right. So 26, 26 24 more games. Yeah. That's still... Right, 56. That's not you're right. giving up seven more shorthanded goals. And the interesting is, I remember yeah. that being a real, a bigger issue, especially at the beginning of the season. Remember, I feel like it happened in, in a... Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So, I mean, obviously, again, understand that there was a lot of chaos going on with yep. the Islanders and the roster and everything like that. But right. still, um, you know, that obviously plays a part into it. But but certainly, sort of the di- digression a little bit in the, in the in that aspect of the penalty kill was a bit of a surprise. And maybe you look at it and go, all right, what? Who was there? Or what? What you know? What was the tactic last season that was employed compared to this season? And um, you know, you look at maybe some of the departures that, that you know, the guys that weren't here or weren't here this year and mm-hmm. were here last year, you know, I'm thinking maybe Leo Komarov did play a, you know, a bit of a factor. He's a guy that, you know, played special team minutes and, and could be a part of it. I mean, you, you think back and you kind of, well, he was more of a penalty kill guy. He wasn't really getting on the power play, so he wouldn't be on the ice for a shorthanded goal True. against. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would, he would be scoring the shorthanded goals if, if there was any luck. But to your point, you look at who's been out there. Jordan Eberle yeah. not in the team anymore. He's a forward. Nick Letty, who would play on the power play. I mean, who knows? I mean, he has speed, too. So maybe that's something they were lacking back there. Maybe he's a guy who could have caught up and prevented a shorthanded chance. Right. Or, or it's just random hockey shite. You know what I mean? This stuff just happens where uh, I don't know about that. One guy can score X amount of goals one season, the next season he scores five. I mean it, it happens. It does, but I think in such a drastic manner like it has this year, I think it's a little bit more because again, you talk about the well, power Well, that's why I brought it up. You talk about the power play <laughs> and all it's all it's, you know, all the all the negative stuff that's happened this year as I try mm. and find spent sentences mm. to speak. Mm. Um you know, you look at how the Islanders' power play has conducted itself and the lack of success it's had over the course of the year, and you kind of mm-hmm. almost forget. I mean, obviously you look at the lack of production offensively, but then you kind of almost forget about the fact that they've given up so many shorthanded goals, and you yeah. go, oh, crap, that's another aspect that needs to be addressed. Yeah, well, I mean, the power play offensively has gotten better, thankfully. I mean, that's something that we just have to hope carries into next year. But, yeah, I mean, you know, bring the shorties back down. And uh, keep back keep the, keep the power play goals uh, up, you know. Absolutely, it's it's a weird phenomenon, but uh, we don't have the answer. That's why we asked Chris King the question. 
I <laughs> just want to remind, speaking of questions, just want to remind everybody that you can submit your questions as always in the chat for Questions Brewing, brought to you by our friends over at Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Uh, we'll be doing that a little bit later in the program, but if you want to get those questions in now, certainly feel free to do so. Well, you know what it's time for now, Christian? It's time for What's on Tap. All right. All right. Here we go. And now it's time for What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for What's on Tap, and Christian is the man with the plan. So tell us, what do the Islanders have on tap this week? Well, we have the Islanders playing the Pittsburgh Penguins in a home-and-home this week to start things off tomorrow night at the UBS Arena. You have the Islanders and Penguins with a 7.30 start. Then they'll travel to PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Thursday for another showdown uh, which I believe is their last two times seeing the Pittsburgh Penguins this season as we hit the, we really do hit the final two weeks of the, of the regular season after after we get through this week, but it, which is crazy to think. But you look at those two games, those will be some, those will be tough games. Obviously the Penguins are the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and they've always been, you know, a thorn in the sides of the New York Islanders, except in the playoffs the last couple of years. But um, obviously a much different uh, situation, different team right now than the, that the Islanders are in than they were in the last couple of years when they saw them in the postseason. You have a very winnable game in, in Montreal on that Friday the 15th. Yeah. Which you Trap seem, game. You think they're going to lose. <laughs> Trap game. Um, <laughs> Second of back-to-backs going into Montreal. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. So it's, it's, a, it's that last swing through Canada because they also hit the great city of Toronto to face the Maple Leafs on that Sunday, and I believe this was that game that was swapped earlier in the year when uh, when the Canadian teams didn't weren't able to have any fans in the building. Yeah, I this is the one that was swapped, and then they moved the that game back to UBS Arena. What was that? February, or March? I, I want to say. I honestly don't remember. It's all blended together. But maybe they, it was January. They had to Who put the, the game on Easter, and and the the game I always think of. I mean, aside from the the Easter epic from way back, but <laughs> but obviously, which was actually referenced in our interview with Chris King, was was the the game against the New Jersey. Jersey Devils was on Easter Sunday with the Wade Dubowitz poke check that got them yep. into the playoffs that year. Yep. That was on Easter. I remember. It's all coming full circle. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, so there's a, I mean, there's a couple winnable games. You know, I think they, they have an opportunity to take one of the two games against Pittsburgh. Yeah, sure. And then they should beat the Montreal Canadiens. They should. The now led by Marty Saint-Louis. That's right. And then, of course, the... Uh, you know, I think the Leafs will beat the Islanders in that in that game. That's well, you a, picked the Leafs to win the cup, so I mean, I could see why you might think that, right? Well, what was the exact question I, I answered that when, when we were doing that? Was was, uh, was that the team to was support the team for to, the cup? Yeah, they want. Yeah. yeah, we were asked, "Who do you want to win the cup?" And right. you, yeah. being the heel that you are, obviously chose the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was either them or the Rangers. I mean, you weren't going to pick anybody else. No, no, I, you actually, both, the, I think both you and, and Chris picked good teams that I would like to have seen. Like, you picked Florida. I, I did. I didn't want to copy you because I would love to see the Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup. Okay. I think that'd be awesome. Okay. See a, you know, a southern city like Miami, Fort Lauderdale, whatever, wherever the hell they play these days. <laughs> sure. Um, the greater Miami area, if you will. <laughs> Um, I think that'd be really cool to see them, uh, you know, win a cup. They're such a successful hockey team the last couple of years. It's a shame that they continue to kind of, you know, play second fiddle in a city where ultimately it's the it's the Miami Heat and the University of Miami that gets a lot of the headline mm. and you know a lot of the play. No one even gives a gives a crap about the Miami Marlins, and that's a team that's won some championships in the last uh, 
couple decades. But you know, I, I'd love to see the Miami, the Miami, the Florida Panthers. You know, go make a deep run, go to the Cup final. Um, I'd love to see them have to go through a t- Canadian team to really rile up the the snobs north of the border and and you know f- for a franchise that so many people up north wanted to move to uh yeah they don't they don't like some backwoods city in, in Canada like team south of the Mason Dixon no, up don't. in Canada they, they I don't love like team south of the Mason Dixon <laughs> I'd move them all south of the Mason Dixon all right, line. that's that's a bit move outlandish. the Maple Leafs that's that's a bit extreme to Houston wow move well, the Vancouver, Arizona's going there, move the so Vancouver Canucks to taken. Arizona then <laughs> put a team in Salt <laughs> Lake the City Canucks replace oh that's funny yeah, no, that dream is not coming true, Christian. Uh, maybe throw a but team in New Orleans. I would love that. That'd be cool. Big fan of that city, but I know you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it's it's good for the Panthers just because they they needed a season like this because yeah. the, there was nobody showing up to the games. I mean, they were becoming one of those teams. Yeah. Kind of, there was a time where like you had Arizona and Florida, and we were like, which one's going to move right. first? Yeah. Right, it was probably around the same time, even when the Islanders were in that in that conversation. Arizona, it wasn't that long ago. Florida, yeah, it wasn't Um, that long ago. I mean, they they had that one season actually that had a lot of hope with Yager on the team that got thwarted by the Islanders when they beat them in in Brooklyn, and that was the first playoffs series win in 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 a. you know, generation yeah. <laughs> essentially for the Islanders, but but that was maybe their last bit of any sort of real success. I mean, if I'm forgetting a season or two, but this this year is huge for them. I mean, yeah. they have a great young core of guys, uh, top to bottom team, and this is their actual most successful regular season since they came into the league. So it's great for them. It's great for the fans, and and hopefully it's good for that town, for that area where people start coming out to games because it started to become a ghost town. Yeah. You so know? I mean, that's I mean, obviously, I think winning New York, uh, winning New York a championship would be a nice morale boost for the area. I'm not saying which team I'm talking about, but I think we all know what team I'm talking about. Um, and that wouldn't boost my morale. I think it'd be a huge economic boost for the city. It'd be a huge morale boost for the city. There's 87 other teams in New York that can win a championship. We none don't of them, need... None of them are... Go- I know, yes, I know there are some soccer fans going to be, well, NYCFC won a title. There I mean, you go. True. They did. Yeah. But of the big four, the, the, I, mean, the, I don't... You know, don't the Mets have a great rotation this year? I mean, they're all going to get hurt because that's right. what happens that's every, what happens year, every right? year. I mean, I know enough that that no, happens. There's, there are three things you can count But didn't on they bring baseball. in a big pitcher this summer Max and everybody's Scherzer. talking about that? Who got hurt. <laughs> did he really? He, they, he was hurt. He did play through pain in his first start last Friday. So. Oh, so the season's been, been on for a week already? Uh, it started uh, last week. There you have it, folks. 162 games, and they just they go by so slow. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of them. But those all are not them. what's on tap. But this, these games, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Montreal, and Toronto are all on tap for the New York Islanders. And if we want to bring it all the way back around, they do play the Florida Panthers next week. But we'll get into that next week That's when gonna it's be also on, on tap. Yeah, it'll be on tap then. Yeah. That was What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. What's on tap? Brought to you by the great R.J. Daniels in Rockville Center. And Christian, in my preparation for the show tonight, I, I took a I took a gander at the even younger guys in the Islanders organization. Some guys doing pretty well beyond Bridgeport. You got guys overseas. You got guys up in Canada, up in the QMJHL. Are you talking? You're done. Uh, Atu Atu Ratu is the one you're talking about overseas. I guess Atu Ratu. Yeah. R two D two. 
And then William Defoe is the other one you have. Dufour, yes, if that's how you pronounce William it. It's Defoe. spelled that way. William Defoe. W- Willem Defoe, yes. Willem Defoe. Esteemed actor and hockey player. <sighs> he was great. Willem Dufour. He was great in his Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. He was great in the... Uh, the Spider-Man No well, Way Well, now you just home. spoiled it for everybody who hasn't, hasn't seen No, No Way Home was the second one. What's no, that? no, no, no. No, I'm wrong. That was Far From Home. It's so confusing. It's home in every title. Home in every title. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No Way Home. Well, Defoe, bring I, it back. Like everyone's, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is about over, it's it's 20 years old at this point. Yeah. Because that was released. No, I'm talking about the new one. That was released in 2002. Yeah. yeah. But Willem Dafoe, that was the Great first. Great film. That was the first movie I think I ever saw Willem Dafoe in. Total, totally that side makes note. Sense. Was the, yeah, was you the were Spider-Man. like four years old, and that's not that right. makes sense. <laughs> well, either way, yes. <laughs> so Atu Ratu, if that is the correct pronunciation of the young young man's name, forty one points in forty games for Yacht. That's like Johnny Yacht- Depp. Yacht- the first movie I ever saw Johnny Depp in was actually just the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> that's because that also came out in two thousand. He had an entire career. I know. Prior that's what I'm that. saying. That's I mean, I'm so saying. did Willem Dafoe before yeah. again Spider Man. Yeah, I'm Willem Dafoe was in Jeez. was in a lot of great movies. Of yeah. course, everyone remembers him his role in uh, that Harrison Ford movie that I can't think of. The first name. first. First uh, Johnny Depp movie I saw was Edward Scissorhands, and that was I've for, never for seen a, Edward I was a kid. Good film, Tim Burton film. So it's obviously probably terrifying. And weird. Yeah, yeah. As well, a child, not well. That's not what I was starting to yeah. say. I was a kid, and it was, <laughs> it was very strange for me as a child. But it's a it's a good film. But yeah, that was the first one I saw. Wow. I mean, nobody listening cares. But you know, sometimes you got to sidetrack, right? Get into a little entertainment. Hey, sharing ourselves. That's what this movie <laughs> is all right. about. That's the power right. of podcast sharing. Uh, We're sharing. Develop that relationship with the audience, not so, through, not just through our, our, our live yeah. shows. And Atu you want Ratu to D2. Let me finish my nope, spiel. Nope, okay. nope. I Atu Ratu having a, had a hell of a season yeah. uh, overseas. Well, he, he started out tough. He was dealt from the team he started the season with. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. But he ended up in Jokerit, yes. and he put up 41 points through 40 games in the season. Uh, they were just bounced out of the playoffs. <laughs> now, apparently, um, there's an attempt to get him over to North America. Yeah, so um, it's Michael Anderson from Eyes on Isles. <laughs> I want to make, make sure I get his name right because um, he does a lot of tremendous work when it comes to the prospect coverage especially. Um, and he was reporting, and he's been on top of it all season long, mm-hmm. uh, he was reporting that the island, the plan is to get him get him to the, U- the U.S. like as soon as possible. The problem mm-hmm. has been apparently a holdup with uh, his visa. There's been some sort of issue yeah. with with all that sort of, I guess, the age old issue that goes with with getting these guys over. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, no one's no one's immune to the old uh, Uncle Sam and his uh, strict time. restrictions of getting to this country. So all the time. Um, that's been the holdup so far. And then mm-hmm. obviously uh, Dufour, Dufour, it's spelled Dufour, D U F O U R. So Willem Dufour. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, he had such a strong strong season in the queue. One hundred points. Yeah, he hit 100 points recently. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see fifth him. round pick in 2020. I like he's, a, he's you like a, to see that. He's also I think picks. he's an older. He was an older player when he was drafted mm. as well. I believe it's possible. Maybe making that, I can't confirm that. I can't confirm that. I mean, we're we're lucky that we're even talking about the prospects right now. Well, I, I think when it comes to, <laughs> to now, like you, you look at the prospect pool that the Islanders have, and it's really not a deep pool. And I think that's no. been the so concern is... for a, a lot of people too that have looked at things and gone, "Oh crap!" Like not only do they they're they pessimistic about right now, but they're not quite sure of where this direction of the organization is going forward. Well, that's that. what's great about seeing a fifth round pick putting up a hundred points in the queue. Now, what that ends up translating, right? You know, in the bridge, and, and ultimately with the Islanders remains to be seen. Yeah, but 
it's it's a good sign from look you don't expect much out of your fifth rounders no. you know what i mean first and second usually that's where you put your hopes up thirds hit or miss mm-hmm. and then fourth on down i never have expectations for fourth rounders or below not to say that they don't end up anywhere obviously you look at guys like anders lee i believe he was what a fourth round pick if i, I believe right so. so obviously it happens but it's just you know it's more of a crapshoot when you get that low yeah yeah but there's always those great stories of guys that were drafted low in the draft and um, you know, have had very successful NHL careers. Henrik Lundqvist was one of them as well. I believe he was drafted lower than... Uh, Who's that? Henrik Lundqvist. One of the greatest goaltenders yeah, to play yeah. the game. Uh, I think he might have been a seventh rounder. Yeah. Now, don't quote me on that for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a sixth or seventh rounder. Yeah, and he had a And it was the career. same draft as Rick DiPietro, I believe, when he was taken number one overall. Ah, is that right? I, I think, think so. so. I, I think, think so. Right. You can look that up, but I well. think it was the same draft. If not, it was like a year apart. But it was close, because they both came into the league around the same time, if I remember correctly. But, yes, to the point. If so, that was a year for very handsome goaltenders. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great for optics. <laughs> great yeah. for optics no, in New York. So, uh, Lunk was, oh, yeah, 2000. You're right. Very there good, you son. go. Very look good. at me. Great year for... Was it the for, seventh? He was drafted seventh round. Look at me. 250. Killing overall. it today. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, good. Like yeah. I said, great year for handsome looking goaltenders. There you go. That's one way to look at it. So, <laughs> so you have some decent things going on with some young guys, which is good because, as we've noted, the prospect pool is, is a little bare. It's thin. So it's shallow. They need guys like this to kind of, you know, help head that situation. Yeah. So we'll see where they go from here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. where we're going to go, Christian, is to a break. Nice. And then we're going to do Hero of the Week. Sound Love good to it. you? Love it. Folks, once again, want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY here for Hockey Night in New York. going to take that quick break. We'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, All three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, 
You can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. And when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Mr. Ledecky featuring turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, mustard on fresh rye bread. That's right. Head on in to the Huntington location, Blue Line Deli, and get half off the Mr. Ledecky all week until next week. When we select a brand new half-price hero. So with that out of the way, Christian Arnold, who is your hero of the week? I think it's a. I, I think this is. It was a tough week to kind of pick this a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, but my hero has to go to Kyle Palmieri for yeah. that game one goal. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it with Kinger so much. Just an absolutely phenomenal skilled play, and and really. Um, for the season that Kyle Palmieri has had, you know, it, it was kind of cool to see him him make that move as successfully as he did, and kind of show off the skill set that he still he still clearly has. And you've seen little bits of flashes of it as I break things, as I put my hand down emphatically. Yeah, um, we've seen little bits of it here and there, um, but that was kind of the call. We kind of step even, you know. Even for as successful as he was in the playoffs, I mean mm-hmm. that was such a skilled power move. Where you're it was like, a power move, it was yeah. a beastly move. Yeah, like you're just like, oh crap, he's just knocking the hell out of people. <laughs> like, yeah, he kinda... makes that power move behind the net, and then he one arms, <laughs> he's got one hand on the stick to keep control of the puck, and then he's one arm in the defender, yeah. and he just finds a way to rip it past the goaltender for a goal. Yes. It was, uh, it was a fantastic play, which is why Kyle Palmieri is also my hero of the week. Unanimous. Because once again, slim pickings this week. <laughs> slim pickings. Now, uh, we, we, we picked Pajot for... See, we, we had done the show on Friday, right? Yeah. So we, we weren't able to pick the... Uh, we, had, we had our selections that night. But then JG Pajot went and had his natural hat right, right, of course, on natural. Sunday. Yeah. So we had to we had to go with that for the actual uh, official selection on the social media. So, but going from <laughs> Dallas on to here. Kyle Palmieri, man, and that one yeah. win against the Canes. Yeah. So there you have it. The uh, the move of strength from Kyle Palmieri earns Feats himself. Of <laughs> Feats of strength. That would have been better. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad, but that is your hero of the week. Unanimous here at Hockey Night New York. Brought Unanimous. to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Half-price hero, the Mr. Ledecky, once again with turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, and mustard on fresh rye bread. Get it half off all week. Just mention us, Hockey Night New York at the Huntington location, and you will get it for 50% of the actual price. Yeah, and they really know who we are. Which is also half. Yes. 50%. Yikes. Here of the week. <laughs> 50%. Half. Of, 50%. Half of 100%. Half of that. One slash two. All right, so we're going to go straight from there, Christian, into the Questions Brewing segment. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. We should have Doc Long Emmerich. Island's Gold Coast Brewery. This. Good luck with that, pal. Well, we'll get him on the phone. We'll just be like, Doc, I just need you to do one thing real just quick. Just read this script. I'm going to send you a script. I just need you to read it. 
<laughs> Just need you to read it, please. That would be something else. What a dream come true. Doc Emmerich doing a read for our questions brewing segment. But we, we can't have him do that right now, so you're going to have to settle for the handsome guy who just did it then. I hear he's so, actually pretty good, not good looking. That's not I true. I hear he's actually quite No, ugly. I've seen him. He's, he's great. Uh, so, from what Christian, I've heard. Christian Arnold. <laughs> Christian Arnold. Give us some questions Ooh. here. What's brewing? Question brewing. Starting off with Mike 4652 Co. Question yes. brewing. Fire up your crystal ball for next year. Dot 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 dot. If you had the name, if you had to name one player in the system who hasn't played with the big club yet, who is it and why? One player in the system who hasn't played with the big club yet. Huh. I have well, a name while you consider that. And I think perhaps I know we talked about it and I, I think I'm gonna contradict myself a little bit here. I think we might be heading in the same direction. Are you gonna say I think you're gonna say R2D2. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm still gonna kind of go with what we were saying that last time. You know, we were we were asked if we th- if we thought he would he would crack right. the squad next year. But and I we think, both yeah. adamantly said not no. out of camp, right? Nah, bro. And we said maybe he would get get a call up, maybe yeah. an injury during the year. And I think yeah, I think that's probably how that gentleman makes it to the team next year. If you know there are injuries, hopefully hopefully there's not. But I, I think that Lou is going to stack this team enough where he's not going to be an out-of-camp player. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the... Because, like, even looking at the Islanders' depth chart, like, it's there's nothing that really stands out. Ratu had such an impressive year overseas. Obviously, he had that standout camp, uh, the showcase camp over the summer after he was drafted. You know, I think he's done... And even in training camp, you know, he really stood out. He surprisingly stood out in the games mm. that he did play. Yeah, I remember that play. during the preseason. Um, so I think of all of them, he's the one person that I give... You know, you put me on the spot and I use this this fake crystal ball that I you know, really just... <laughs> well, uh, some clear thing we found at Marshall's for two ninety nine in the clearance <laughs> rack. But, you know, I think that Atu Ratu would be the one that I would imagine being the best chance. Like, if, you know, we're putting money down in Vegas, he's probably got the best odds, you know? Well, as... The payout's as, probably still pretty good, but as, the odds are, are the best. As the question was formed, I mean, we're, we're being asked to choose from players who haven't cracked the score, haven't played a game for the team yet. Yeah. So who else is there? Like, literally, yeah. outside of him... Who else is getting a call up? Because Salo's already gotten a crack, mm-hmm. and I think I think he gets a crack at the team before before Atu does next year. But he's already skated for them, right? So you know, beyond him, I'm just not sure. You know who who really has a chance? I mean, where is where's Holmstrom at this point? How's he doing? I mean, what's, he's played, what's the story with yeah, him? I thought he suited up for the Islanders. Did he? Some, I thought he played a game NHL game at some point. He might have. It might have been a long time ago. I mean, probably preseason. I don't know if he got into a regular season game though. But but that's the point. I mean, beyond. Beyond Atu Ratu D2, <laughs> I don't know if there's really anybody else that is is worthy uh, maybe, of a look. He hasn't. He, See, yeah, I didn't think so. Maybe Holmstrom's also on the list. Maybe. But then I don't even like. I'm not even. How's he playing? I'm not even confident in that that idea. So right. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. The, the list is slim. Ratu. The list is slim. Mike Ratu is my final answer. So yeah, we're we're both gonna go with him, but I don't think it's gonna be uh, in October, November. Or, or December, but, you know, you never know. Maybe maybe he wows us. Maybe he proves us wrong. And and if he does, that's a great thing. That means he's playing awesome. Question brewing. Thomas Panic, the great Thomas Panic. By the <laughs> way, I, I we did get a really nice note from, from Thomas Panic. We did. Via email. We did. Um, so we, I did want to just give him a special shout-out on the show for, for the kind words that he had for us in, in the email. It was yes, really appreciated. You, 
Um, and, you know, we just want to let everyone know we appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in every week and, and joining us and having fun and, and some laughs even during a very tough, tough, tough season yes. to sit through. So we appreciate each and every one of you, too. And, um, and Thomas, we really did appreciate that email. So thank you very much. But for the question, Bruin, Shawnee. Yes. What do you make of 53's huge increase? Now, 53, for those not familiar, cases seek us, uh, increase in penalty minutes this season. Not ideal for your best penalty killer to hang out in the sin bin so often. I think in part, Thomas, Mr. Panic, you kind of Mr. Panic. answered your own question in that it's not ideal for your best penalty killer to be in the sin bin. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't think he's playing with any bigger of a chip on his shoulder than he has in the past. I mean, maybe it's just one of those freak years where, you know, he's taken more penalties than, than he's accustomed to. I mean, you have, it's funny. We, we end up talking about the suspension with Chris just before. I mean, who knows? You, you don't know with, the, with that sort of thing. I mean, I, I, I think I would take solace in the fact that this is more of a, you know, rarity as you know, it's more of a blip in the radar as opposed to maybe something that's going to be more commonplace and whatnot. But yeah, no, I mean, he, they need him out in the ice. They need him killing penalties. Him, Cal Clutterbuck, when he's healthy. I mean, he's a guy who has to be out there. He's he's a, he's essential when it comes to that. I mean, you got Pajot that kills penalties. You have Nelson hops in there every now and then. But you know, you're right. He's got to stay out of the box, and and hopefully this is just uh, you know, maybe it's. Because they've been struggling. And you're more prone to take penalties. You're more prone to hook a guy. You're more prone to get your stick on somebody's hands when you're chasing, when you're struggling on the yeah. ice. I mean, that's just how that goes. So, I mean, you look at the fact that this has been a tougher season overall for this team, and, and I might attribute to that. Maybe he just found himself in, in, a scenario, in scenarios where he had to kind of drag a guy down, you know, or kind of cheat a little bit to prevent him from scoring a goal. That's that's probably what I would chalk it up to. Yeah, and I would add to that as well. You know, for someone like Casey Zizekas, when he's out there, he is expected to play a certain brand of, of hockey. And when your guys are kind of struggling a bit too, you maybe have that extra jump to try and be a little bit more physical than you're already as already as physical as you play. So maybe that leads to more mm-hmm. penalties. Or maybe you're trying to do too much at that point, and that leads to certain mistakes. And, um, you know, you kind of, are, like Sean was saying, you're kind of forced to take those penalties. So I think it's kind of a combination of the lack of success of the team and sort of Casey Zizek as his own internal drive to, mm. to be out when he's out there to be as impactful and effective a player as he can be. And maybe that leads him to be trying to do too much and, and you take some mistakes. And Mr. Panic actually did uh, reference another player we may have forgotten about. Going back to that first question, Samuel Balduk. He's a guy who might have a chance to crack the team next year. Now, again, not a guy I think you see at a camp. I don't. I but don't, he's don't, had he's had a little bit of you know talk, a little hype over the last couple of seasons. Uh, this year was a little bit more of a down year for him. There was a little more hype around him last season. He had a great year, yeah. but this season a little quieter. But yeah, I think I think it's fair to put him on that radar. But I, I would still, I think I put Ratu ahead of him. Still do, still yeah. agree. Uh, we'll stick with Panic's question here. Thomas Panic getting the second one in here. Question Bruin. Obviously, they'd rather make the be headed to the playoffs. But do you think the Isles enjoy the spoiler role, especially against certain opponents, uh, the Rangers or Christians Leafs? <laughs> I mean, I'm look, just a big John Tavares fan, guys. Come on. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, he sure is, folks. He sure is. But, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to actually uh, recover on, on what that question was. Um, look, I don't think anybody in this league wants to play the spoiler. They want to be in the mix. They want to be playing for playoff position and getting into the playoffs, what have you. I mean, maybe that's something they reach, you know, dig down for to kind of find that motivation to play out the rest of a season like this. I mean, I'm sure 
in that role, you get a little bit of pleasure out of maybe taking two points away from a Penguins, from right. a Leafs, from a Rangers or something like that. Yeah. But the truth is, like, you ask any player in the NHL, nobody wants to play the spoiler. Nobody wants to be in that position. So, I mean... I guess that's just one of the things you re- we talked about earlier at the yeah. beginning of the show, right? You reach for those like little things that keeps you going, keeps you watching, keeps you playing, whatever the case may be. Yeah, maybe playing the spo- spoiler role is one of those things. You play against a rival and say, all right, let's beat these bastards and take two points. Yeah, I think that's, that's really it. I think maybe for the only time I could see that being a, a bigger bigger positive or something that maybe there's a little more enjoyment out of is is when you look at a team uh, sticking with sort of the Islanders and you look at a team a couple years ago when you when Kyle Posa was really young and still here when Josh Bailey was really young um younger in his career and in those early kind of you know John Tavares years sorry everybody um (laughs) but you look at those seasons and those kind of lost seasons when Franz Nielsen was still really young as well in here. Mm. Um, and those were teams that weren't expected to do anything. And, and you know, it was a development team, right? Like the, those seasons were really meant to kind of move the guys that were in-house and being developed to the next stage in their career. And, you know, that's maybe where being a spoiler is a little more enjoyable just because yeah, uh, sure. the reality of the situation is, you know, those teams weren't going to the playoffs. Um and you try and find that way to keep yourself motivated and um, get ready for that next step. So, but I don't think there's any team that that is enjoys playing the spoiler, especially a team with like the Islanders do, uh, like the Islanders. I should say that have so many ex uh, that have so many expectations on top of them as well right. coming into the season. But question, oh Sean, did you have something else? I'm sorry, I was going to go to the next. I question. was actually going to toss this last one from Mike Four Six. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, oh yeah, I have another was, one. There's one uh, CGS eight seven eight had one. That. I was I, well. I wanted to keep the Thomas Panic questions together since <laughs> gotcha. you know, we were already answering one of them. Um, question Bruin: What happened to the MSG travel budget that necessi- necessitated calling the last two games from MSG Studios? It's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, in fact, do we know? Because I missed it. Do we know why Allen ended up calling the game instead of Brendan? Was Brendan? Did Brendan have? Brennan might have had another game he was on. I forget. Maybe I forget. There was there was a particular reason. They must have known ahead of time because I think mm. this was somewhat scheduled. Yeah. Um. And maybe there was a TNT game up, but that was a Friday. No, like I'm trying to think of night. logistically yeah. why. Not 100 percent sure to be honest with you. I mean, um, they they weren't they weren't playing in a city where maybe there was COVID restrictions or something like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're lifted more or less across the board right now, right? Yeah, I, but I think for I think. And this is going to sound, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just mm. using sort of the, having worked in, me, in media for so long and, mm. and, you know, understanding there's there's budgets and, um, you know, figures that you have to meet and, and sometimes certain things just aren't necessary, necessarily a priority, mm. you know, with, with a team like the Islanders. And again, no offense to anybody, but we all know where the Islanders currently stand, the, the the games at this point don't mean as much. Is it worth putting everybody on a plane? Because these guys are not flying with the team anymore. They're flying um, by them. You know, they're flying on their own. And this is, is it worth, is it necessary? I guess you could say to send them for a game that just doesn't mean much. I just had a thought too. I mean, he did call the game with EJ Raddick, which was kind of out of left field in the sense that, I mean, I don't, I think this Brendan had a TNT commitment. 
Okay, that makes sense. He was traveling sense. that day. But but I'm thinking I wonder if Thank you, Mike. I wonder if EJ Raddick was was a guy that they ended up getting maybe on a last minute sort of situation. They couldn't get him to the city where they needed to be. So like, all right, we'll just do it in New York. Because I think Raddick is based in New York because he works for NHL Network. Right, right, but everyone I think was in New York. Like Shannon was in New York. Yeah. Um, so, I'm I'm reaching here. I'm trying to figure uh, it out. Listen, like, I'm, trying I'm, to I'm not think tr- of reasons I, why it might have happened. But and I, I think I really people just kind of need to understand because I think there's we always talk about this. There's such a, you know, a feeling among the fan base of, oh, we're just, you know, the second the redhead, the stepchild, this and that, even, you know, mm-hmm. on our own broadcast. And, and there's been legitimate, you know, legitimate grudges that are, are held. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think not sending your broadcast team on the road for a game like this, it's not the end of the world. It, it was a little surprising, but I don't, you know, you look at the other, the, all the other I expenses guess. they, uh, the, they have to incur when you're talking about broadcasting, Basically, every they have one team in just about every major sport in the city mm. between the Knicks, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. And did the did the broadcast really suffer overall because no. they were in the studio? I mean, probably not. No. But interesting question. We tried our best, and we got one more from Mike four six five two Co. If you guys could pick any hockey guest to interview for the show from any era, who's on your wish list? Ooh, that's a tough question. That is a tough question. Well, I oh, have one already. Oh, good. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this man is still living. This is a guy that I've, I've wanted to get on the show ever since I started doing this. I've actually shared this with you previously. He's a guy I'd love to get on the show because he was my childhood favorite player, and that is number 16, Pat LaFontaine. I would love oh. to get him on the show. Yes. I would absolutely love. Just, again, literally childhood hero. You know what I mean? He was he was that first player yeah. that I kind of, you know, he's, he's kids Matt Barzell right now. <laughs> Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. usually it's whoever the best player is during the era that where you're coming up as a child, right? And he was that guy for me. And you know, I remember being a little brokenhearted when he was traded for Pierre Turgeon and all those guys because back then I didn't understand the the economics behind right, it, the holdout right, and all that. It was right. just like, why'd you trade my guy for this other guy? I never heard of. You know what I mean? But he was and then always he ended my up guy. loving Pierre Turgeon. No, it's true. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hey, number seventy-seven, not so bad. <laughs> But, but, yeah, I mean, he's a guy I'd love to have on the show. I mean, if, I, there's a, probably a, a laundry list if, if, if I really took the time to, to think about it. But he would definitely be number one for me. Um, you know, there's so many legends in the game. I mean, do you have anybody while I'm, while I'm kind of going through this little spiel right now? You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking across different, different eras and different generations. And, um, you know, I think Bobby Orr would, have been, would be someone I, you know, would enjoy talking to. I think that'd be sure. really cool just for the history of it. Um, you know, Gordy Howe, just to kind of just pick his brain and, and just like what the game was like when he played, because I think mm-hmm. that's such a foreign concept. I mean, like a Bobby Orr, it's such a foreign concept um, compared to when those guys played the game to where it is now. And I'd love to kind of get their perspective and pick their brain on, on how yeah. hockey is changing and how like how the, not only how the game has changed, but how the players have changed in the sense of like, I think when we had Allen on, um, I think he kind of talked a little bit about about how you know the game is so much quicker and the guys are so much bigger. But why is that? Like, why has the game changed? And this is obviously something that's happened across all sports because, like, you look back at like football or well, basketball or baseball. Like, those guys are much built much differently then than they were. Why? I guess my curiosity: Why was it like that? And I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Well, to it's have. like any. I mean, just to kind of answer your rhetorical question, but it's like anything else. I mean, it's evolution. I mean, technology gets better. And that's in the equipment. That's in just training. 
I right, mean, but I think it'd just be cool a conversation to have to have that conversation with someone who's, oh, who's yeah. experienced that and lived that. Yeah, because you always have that that, like. that that question, that debate, right? Where you know so and so would never put up the points right, that he put up right, now right. if he was playing. You know, the points he put up then he wouldn't put up now because it was a different game. Or or, or you know, the other side of that is, right. man, imagine if Wayne Gretzky played now right. with, with how fast the game is playing instead of playing with a, a, a eight pound log in your hand. Yeah. You know, playing with these, you know. Uh, what's it called? Carbon sticks or whatever the hell they're made out of these days. But they're light as a feather yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. And, you know, you wonder, you know, you know how how would those guys have done? Because you look at guys like Gretzky and Orr, is, is for, for them, a lot of it was not only talent, but it was in their minds. Like, they were able to think the game quickly yeah. and more, faster than everybody else. And and so you, f- you think that guys like that would have a leg up and stuff like that. I know we're kind of going off on a tangent on the answer to this question, but but those are great answers. I mean, those are guys, you know, I would love to – I mean, I'd love to – Pick Wayne Gretzky's brain and just be like, how were you able to see the ice so well? How were yeah. you were you able to kind of anticipate, you know, multiple things going on at once? Because, you know, I play at my super, super amateur level of hockey, and I'm, I'm lucky <laughs> I connect a pass where I want yeah, it to go. And he's thinking, just compare yourself to Wayne Gretzky? No, obviously not. A loser. Wow. Oh, Ty Domi nice. would be Ty Domi would be someone that would be really fun to talk to. Any one of those guys, Probert, Kosher, yeah. Domi, absolutely. That would be fun. You know, I mean, that's a completely other element of the game. Yeah. But, I mean, for sure. There's so many. There's, and I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it, like I'd be like, oh, man, this guy. And you know, you know? who else I'd, I'd put on that list was those guys from those early 2000s Islanders teams. Like when we had Dave Skatched on, um, you know, the stories that, that he was telling us were just phenomenal. And the stories he didn't tell us. And the story, <laughs> right, I can only imagine were even better. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you look at, like, Marius Tchaikovsky, mm-hmm. pick his brain. What was that like playing for those teams? Um, you know, Brad Isbister. I'd love to talk to Ziggy Palfi. Ziggy Palfi, yeah. Being the star on Milbury's team. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, Milbury was GM for those guys too, but, I mean, imagine talking to Ziggy Palfi and just really – hearing what he had to say during that 90s era with the fishermen. Yeah. But not only that, he had that whole contract dispute with Milbury. They, you had the famous quote from Milbury about his agent, the yeah. village idiot, and everything like that. Like, And, and I think Palfi was even quoted, and I know this isn't, isn't verbatim for sure. We're paraphrasing. Yeah, but there was some sort of, you know, he was talking about or being questioned about a flight, I think it was, and, and, and the fact that they were flying like, you know, economic you know economy class or something like that instead of for and and basically said something like yeah well it's the islanders or something like that you know what i mean like just you know to to talk to a player who who played for a team that was run on such a shoestring budget you know i mean he was there during that that just god-awful era you know where you where you have the the spano situation the gluckstern's the millsteins and all that he was pretty much in the middle of that yeah. i know he was dealt during that period at some point but but um it would definitely. You're right. It would definitely be interesting to interesting to, to speak to a player who kind of went through like the darkest of the darkest days on this team, especially a guy who was a star putting up 40 yeah. goals a season, and you know just trying to do his best to to get through that. I mean, you had him, you had Reichel, you had Smolinski, you had you know that was their whole line, and yeah, it'd be very interesting to hear what those guys would have to say. But you, yeah, you can make the list long, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Pat Lafontaine. All right, make it happen, Christian. There we go. Get him on the show. Question Bruin, is Butch on the LTIR? Some with his shoulder, right? I think so. I I I'm I on I didn't yeah. I don't want to say anything. Sure, I sure, sure. No, I just don't know. I don't want to be like, yeah, I think that's it, but we're wrong. I just don't right. know the answer to that. So yeah. I do apologize. I just don't well, either know. Either way, the we, we obviously hope he gets better. We'd yeah. love to see him we'll back in the booth. Bush on the on the broadcast. Yeah, no question about it. But guys, great questions. Yeah. That's gonna do it for That was Questions Bruin. Brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. 
Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Well, Mr. Arnold, I think that about wraps it up. All right. You cool with that? Yes. Okay. Well, da. Want to thank all of y'all for tuning in here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY live. And of course, you wonderful people that listen later on your commuter, eating your lunch later on on your favorite podcast provider. Want to send a huge thanks out to Chris King, the Islanders radio voice, for joining us, giving us a fantastic spot. And of course, to our sponsors, RJ Daniels, American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the Isles when you can't make it to the game. Don't just go for the Isles. They have live music, comedy nights, trivia, a late night bar scene. They have it all. Huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, their brand new location in East Islip. And of course, UBS Arena, they're an official partner of the New York Islanders, the greatest deli around. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hockey themed heroes. And of course, a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. And, of course, a huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York and get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. Thanks to you guys once again. Thanks to you, Christian Arnold. Where can we find you on the Twitter, pal? At C underscore Arnold 01. That's right, folks. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hockey Night NY. And again, folks, please rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell them to follow. Tell them to watch and listen to the show because they're missing out on this ridiculous Islander banter that we bring you <laughs> every week. And, and just to reiterate what Christian said, huge thanks to you guys for tuning in every week. It really means a lot. It keeps us going. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your Monday night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.